0: Hey, um, as Kelly said, my name is Seth, and I am the lead minister here at Echo Church. And today, I am going to uh, be talking to you a little bit about Mary and Jesus and Santa Claus. And you're probably wondering, how is that going to work exactly? And I wondered the same thing when I was tasked with this sermon um but follow along with me i've got some thoughts on some things and and we'll try to make some sense of it at the end so so here we go um one thing i want you to be thinking about during this sermon or maybe even just at the beginning of it are what would be some perceived similarities and differences uh between the two meaning jesus and santa claus so if you were to think about the similarities and differences uh just What might those things be? And use that as kind of like the onset for for what we're going to be talking about a little bit here today. So maybe eight years ago or so, uh, Michelle and I, my wife, went to a church on the west side of town called LifeSpring, and it met at a YMCA over there in Westwood, the Gamble Nippert Y, if you're familiar with the west side. And I don't know. We hadn't been going to church there very long, maybe twelve months, thirteen months. No, no longer. No, no longer than that, really. When an organization came in to talk about uh, child sponsorship in Nairobi, Kenya, and the name of that organization was CMF, now CMFI. And what they do is they partner with organizations and they do child sponsorship and. Um, basically what they, what that is, is you send a certain amount of money, uh, over to the organization. And this organization is called MOHI, which is Missions of Hope International. And they take that money and then they help kids who live in the slums, this particular organization, the slums of Nairobi, Kenya, and they provide food, uh, clean water, clean clothes, schooling and a number of other things uh during during the school year which happens to be all year over there except for a, a an extended period. They celebrate Christmas uh for for multiple months in Nairobi. Well, at least in this this part of the country where we were. And they have that time off. And even that time off where the kids aren't going to school or anything, they still have meals to eat and clothes to wear and these kind of things because of the child sponsorship program. So the guy came in, and the senior minister of the church at the time was was a man named Dick Alexander, and he talked about it. and And I felt compelled to start sponsoring a kid, and, and I did this with, uh, without talking to my wife about it first, which is typically how things go. Uh, it's a very dangerous way to to live, but but that's how it happened, and I came home, and I said, uh, look at this. I, I picked this card up. It's a young girl named Emily, and we're sponsoring her now, and it's 38 bucks a month, and she was like, okay, fine. We'll make it work. Um, so that's what we did, and we sponsored her for maybe three or four years before we decided to, to sponsor another, another child, and her name was Stella. So Stella and Emily, who live in Nairobi, and we're sponsoring them with $38 a month. Um, so one of the cool things about child sponsorship, at least the way that this organization does it, and I think a lot of organizations do it this way, is that every two to three months or so, you get letters from the kids that you sponsor. And, and it's a cool experience to open that letter and then to read it. Because um, it's come from halfway across the world. <clears throat> and sorry for all the coughing, I've been sick. So, um, But you, you open this letter and... And all, I wanted to bring an example to, to read to you guys, but I couldn't find one because our house is in disrepair because it's being remodeled right now. So I couldn't find one. But every letter starts the same. And it says, Dear Seth and Michelle, Hi, how are you? I am fine. I hope you are fine too. <laughs> every single letter starts that way. And, and then throughout the letter, you get little updates about uh, what's going on in school, what's going on in life, what's going on at home, what's going on, just a variety of things. And they, in the same way, yours faithfully, or um, in love, in Christian brotherhood, sisterhood, then in the name of the child. And then on the back, it's really cool because they draw pictures and they color them and, and you get to see uh, what what the kids are learning. So the first thing is that this letter is a way for the kids to formalize their English language skills. And there's a roteness, or like a rote nature to it when you read the letter in a certain pentameter and you can tell exactly what they're learning in school when they're writing these letters. Um, And then, like I said, the second thing is you get these updates from the kids and you learn a bit about them, which only increases the connection between the sponsor and the sponsee. So, here's the deal about these letters. We get them... And I've never written back. In eight years, I didn't write back. And to be honest about it, like, I have the option to. You can put them in the mail and they send them over there and it's fine. And And I feel kind of bad about it, just truthfully. Um, it, but it's not because I'm lazy or because I forget about the kids or anything like that. It's just I've always felt like it might be a little weird <laughs> to to send... A letter over there, because I don't want the kids over there to feel like they owe us anything, because that's not why we're doing this, right? They don't, they don't owe us anything. Um, for us, the reason we do this is because we believe that it's an appropriate response to what God is asking us to do as faithful servants to him. So that's what we do, okay? And have you ever written, ever wrote a, a letter to Santa Claus? Raise your hand if you ever wrote a letter to Santa Claus. What'd you say in that letter? Did you ask for things? Did you tell them about your year? Did you tell them how good you were that year? And how many of you ever received a letter back? A few. A few of us, right? But not many of us received a letter back from Santa Claus. Why is that? I don't know, man. Right? I'm not going to ruin anything. Don't worry. Um, so, what did that do? Did it raise your like level of doubt for Santa Claus? You don't get a letter back. Like, do you start doubting that Santa Claus exists? Maybe you start to believe that he's not there. I don't know. So I remember when this happened to me, I was in the third grade, and I started to hear some rumors at school about how Santa might not be real. And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. But I'd been such a strong believer that I wanted to make sure that these things were right, so I did some investigating. This is before the internet, of course. And I and, um, started asking my friends, you know, prodded my mom, and she was like, no, totally real, totally real, no problem, you'll see presents under the tree, this, that. Well, I'm skeptical at this point, because like you, I didn't get a letter back. So I decide that I am going to let, let my cousins know. And so I take my, this information that I've learned about the skepticism I have in Santa Claus, and I'm nine years old, and I remember walking into my Mima and Didi, that's uh, what we call our grandparents, Mima and Didi. And there's this convention of cousins at the dining room table. And I start talking about my suspicions and recalling the rumors that I had heard in school. And I'm really deep into this story when all of a sudden my lips go numb as my aunt backhands me across the mouth. (laughs) And she goes, what are you doing? I was like, it didn't hurt that bad. So I'm summoned into the next room. I'm given this sharply worded lesson about how I was about to ruin Christmas. She was right. I was about to ruin Christmas. I didn't know that at the time, but that's what I was about to do. I got a clear message from my aunt <laughs> right across the lips about how I was about to do that. So, question, uh, as it relates to this and supporting kids and um and kenya is am i act in that way am i acting more like jesus or am i acting more like santa claus <laughs> and that's the question that i wrestled with this week which one am i doing am i acting like jesus or am i acting like santa claus and then what level of proof might i need to write another letter or to write a letter, or whatever, to, to Santa Claus, right? So today we're going to be spending some some time talking about Mary and the message that she receives in the first chapter of Luke. There's blue Bibles there in front of you. I think some words are going to be on the screen, but we're on page 723. If you would like to use the Bible in the pew in front of you. So here it is, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26 on page, what I say, 723, 723 in the Blue Bible. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, as they always do, don't be afraid. That's a theme in the Bible if you're just learning that. The angels come, they scare the daylights out of people, and then they go, don't be afraid. This is okay. This happens to Mary. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive So obviously, something really special is happening in this passage of the Bible. But there are a few questions, right? The first one, what makes Mary favored? I think that's a reasonable question. She's minding her own business, right? Is it because she prays the most? Is it because she, of her faithfulness? I mean, this list we come up with, it would go, it could go on and on forever for the reasons that Mary might be greatly favored. But that's what he says. That's what the angel says to Mary. He says, greetings, you who are greatly favored. I'm guessing it's simply that she's just chosen to carry out this task. I don't know if there has to be a reason. I think this is just the person that, that God has chosen to do this. Um, her life would prove to be an example that she was, in fact, the right choice to handle this task. But it is the question, when we read it here at the onset of uh, the first or in the first chapter of Luke. And she's going to bring the Son of God into the world, and she's clearly shown some sort of ability to be able to do this. So that's what happens. Second thing, I think Mary's initial reaction to the angel is kind of interesting. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So there's a lot of things going through her head at this point. Greatly troubled seems to be a tame reaction, quite honestly. If you ask me, if an angel comes from the sky and says, you are going to bear and birth the son of God. Greatly troubled seems maybe not, <laughs> not enough of a reaction, right? So I think it's appropriate that she acts this way. And I think most of us would be greatly troubled if an angel appeared to us. Yeah. I think so too, yeah. We'd be terrified, just like everybody else is in the Bible when it happens. But the angel calms her down again by telling her how favored she is. Gabriel, the angel, tells her the plan to bring the Son of God into the world, which honestly is probably the most terrifying thing of all to her. And Mary's just like, you know, how that's, how's that going to happen? I'm a virgin. I may be young, but I know how babies are made. And Gabriel reveals the plan. And, and Mary responds with, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. No more questions. And poof, the angel vanishes. So Mary, who's just standing around minding her own business, gets this clear message From God through the angel Gabriel. And how clear and how unbelievable. And maybe we know that. From the response Joseph has to this news. Which if anybody's going to be concerned. It's going to be him right. And I think Joseph. Responds pretty positively. When he hears that his bride to be. Is with child. And he's confident that it was not him. To put the baby there. So. So. His life is a reflection of just how both of them are committed to this message. He finds a place for Mary to have this baby, and then he leads his family out of Egypt when Herod feels, or when Herod feels threatened by Jesus, and he decides to kill all the baby boys in the entire country. Um, I don't think a husband sticks around unless he buys into that message, too. I think we can all agree to that. is Mary. It's a question. She doesn't know Jesus or Santa Claus, but is she acting more like Jesus or is she acting more like Santa Claus? (laughs) More like Jesus, right? Because she's following through on her faithfulness and she's doing what the Lord is requiring of her. So up to this point, I felt like I'd been treating these kids a little more like Santa Claus than I did Jesus, right? And that changed for me in October of 2017. Sorry, I jumped a little there. I'm back now talking about the kids that we sponsor in Kenya. Um, and all of that changed in October of 2017, right before the people in Nairobi are to spend, man, I believe six to eight weeks celebrating Christmas, which is really cool. Um, we're there, and uh, I, I decided to go on a missions trip to Nairobi with, uh, the church that I served in previously. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be cool. And then I get a, like a notification or somebody tells me like, oh, you're going to have the opportunity to meet your kids, the kids that you sponsor. And I was like, what? I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, that sounds terrifying. I don't, I don't want them to feel like and they're like, "Oh no, 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 it's fine. You have to do it." I was like, "I have to do it." They're like, "Yeah, you have to do it." And furthermore, bring a gift. So I'm already feeling like Santa Claus and they're like, "Bring a present for these kids so that so that they'll they'll be a connection." And I'm like, "Okay, that's what I'll do." So I decided to bring markers and notebooks for the kids so that they can so that they can journal and write and draw and these kind of things. So we show up and it is, it is culture shock. Like you've never, If you've never done something like this, I encourage it if you can afford it. It is, it is mind-blowing, man, to, to walk through the slums of a place like Nairobi and the smell, the things that go on there, just the, the entire thing will just, it'll stick with me for the rest of my life. But we go there and we go to this building, this giant like super nice building that just doesn't fit into the rest of the neighborhood. And this building was built with funds that, you know, we're sending over and it's part of a school that they had built for, um, for the kids that were there. And they've arranged this for us to meet and we're outside and, uh, and the kids come up, and it's, they have coats on, and it's 80 degrees, which is warm to me. But it's cold for them. And, and they come up, and it's just like this surreal experience to meet this kid that you've only seen on the Internet, and you only get a letter from every two to three months. And I sat down. We sat down, uh, me and the, the two girls, and, and I gave them these presents. And you just, the joy on their face And then the words that came out of Emily's mouth. Is this for me? Yeah. Yeah, it's for you. It's literally $10 markers and a notepad. And she was just like, why? I was like, I I don't know. (laughs) Like, because, uh, because. Like, I didn't know what to say to her. And then she reached out and she touched my hand. And I was like, she was like, oh, it's real. And I was like, oh, my gosh. What is happening right now? And So when we went over, I have to backlog a bit of this. I wasn't expecting all of that, to be honest with you. That's, I, I would have rather, up to that point, not met the kids. <laughs> but I met the kids, and I'll tell you, man, I am glad that I did because it made it real for me and for them. Um, but they know I'm not their savior. They know Jesus is. And I know that because of the letters that they send us. So really, I get to be a little bit like both. I get to be a little bit like Santa Claus. I get to be a little bit like the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's really important to us. So I want to show you, um, so this was a joint mission trip with Mohi and then this other organization called Africa Fire Mission. And Africa Fire Mission, they go over and they uh, to to uh, Tunisia, is it Tunisia, yeah, and uh, Kenya and some other places around the world, and they train firefighters. And they've been able to get some grants to bring trucks in. their the fire service in our country is. Of, of course, nothing like what they have in Nairobi. People hate the fire department in Nairobi. They throw rocks at the fire trucks. Do you know why? Because it says, government on the side they hate the government over there so when the trucks come in they bash them up they throw rocks they do all these kind of things because they're not viewed as helpful so what Africa Fire Mission does is it's it's a joint effort not only to give them equipment but also to educate the residents that like hey the fire department's good because when things catch on fire they show up and they put it out and then they're so there's an education effort that's part of it And so the thing that really brought all of this together was when we were doing a fire drill at one of the schools that Mohi built in the Mathari Valley, which is one of the slums that's in Nairobi. And I think we have a video here. And so here it is, man. And it is complete and total chaos. There's about 900 kids at this one school. And we're trying to get them all out at the same time. And if you see the little girl right here, she's stepping up onto the railing. And she's got the white collar on. Those two right there, they see me. And they're waving. And then all of a sudden, like, she'll point. She kind of points out at me. And actually, that's just Emily at this point. And then Stella jumps up there. And I'm, like, looking at him taking this video. And I'm doing, like, this. Get out of the building. Get out. Like, it's not that special that I'm standing here taking video of you. Um, but that moment right there, it's, it's like etched into, it's etched into my memory. When she pointed out, and I was like, this matters, man. Because I'm responding to the call of Jesus. And in this moment, I can be like Jesus. And I can do what Jesus is asking me to do. It's only 38 bucks a month. Like, it's not, it's not that special, right? But for them, it is. So I get to be a little bit like both, I guess. I don't think that's sacrilegious. It's just important to, to know that responding to the call that Jesus gives us matters and And that's what I feel like I'm doing now, and it took me meeting those kids to understand that um, but it feels good, man let's be honest about it uh and that's that I don't have a pretty bow to put on this the spirit of Christmas that's all I have to say <laughs> so um i uh it's a harsh transition, but after that we're we're gonna we're gonna go into communion um and Communion is something that we do at our church every week, and we've prepared bread and juice for you to take. And um, if anything sparked your imagination or sparked your your will uh, to be the hands and feet, you know, like this is the time to pray about it and and to remember that sacrifice that Jesus made for us with His body and with His blood.